Hey YouTube, it's your old buddy Bucho, just dropping in here before we launch to give a couple of lore spoiler warnings. No plot spoilers, no character spoilers as usual. Robbie does talk about a couple of world building things that are revealed in other Star Wars stories. The first, from 5.40 to 7.40, is a Fallen Order lore spoiler regarding the planet Ilum. And the second, from 12.50 to 13.30, is a lore spoiler for E.K. Johnson's Ahsoka book. And also for episode 5 of the Darth Vader comic about why Sith lightsabers have red blades. So if you like me and you don't mind law spoilers, then just roll on through as usual. But if you prefer not to be spoiled on law, then you know the sections to skip. And with that, let's strap in for season 5, episode 6, The Gathering. Petro! <laughs> How did he break the ice? Only water made solid was the door. Easy to break, if you have the will. <clears throat> You... you said we would be trapped. Not by the cave, you were. But by your mind. Lessons you have learned. Find courage, you did. <laughs> oh. Patience. <laughs> Trust. Confidence. And selflessness. Yes? Take your crystals back to the temple and keep them safe, young Jedi. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, Ahsoka leads a group of younglings to the icy planet of Illum. All will take part in a rite of passage that every Jedi must face themselves. Can they overcome the obstacles necessary to find the crystals that will power their first lightsabers? Hey, tubes, it's your old buddy Bucho, and I'm a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the Ahsoka to my brand new Padawans. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello, everyone. And we're going to talk about the 93rd episode of the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. And this one's written by Christian Taylor and directed by Kyle Dunleavy. And it's season five, episode six, The Gathering. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about what confronted these young Padawans on Elam in The Gathering before you rewatched it again this week. This is maybe, I mean, kind of spoiler alert, I guess, but this may be one of my favorites, like top five favorite episodes of The Clone Wars. I love it, and it's one that I've watched multiple times. There's a beauty to this episode that's, the way that it's crafted, it just, it all works for me. So it's one that, that I know well, and it's one that uh, that I just adore. It's kind of boiling down what I love about The Force and what I love about Star Wars. All in one episode. Great stuff. So you've watched every episode of the Clone Wars show at least twice, but season five, you've watched more than that, and it sounds like some of these episodes that you love even more than others. How many times do you reckon you've seen The Gathering? This is probably number five. It's hard to say. I mean, it's there's bits and pieces that I've watched of multiple episodes. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. But this one is one that, to me, it's great from start to finish. Not only are the designs of the younglings just adorable, you know, but uh, there's just something about it. There's a purity to it that 
to me, it boils down what the Force is about and what Star Wars is about. And it's it, it feels like, just like Ambush, when Yoda is sitting down and talking to the clones, right. it feels like this is Lucas talking directly to us. And it's... I just... I get a that warm feeling inside when I'm, when I'm watching this episode. Yeah, I can dig it, man. And this is another trial episode, of course. It's like the box or monster when uh, Ventress tested the Knight Brothers. And speaking of a warm feeling inside, they land in a blizzard. They land on Ilum in some of the worst weather we've seen in the whole series so far. And everyone is wrapped up in what I like to call hothware, except Gunji the Wookiee and R2, of course. But as a Wookiee fan, it's just fun to see Gunji. He's out there just being a Wookiee. And it's also fun for those of us who love a good ruffling hood lining. Like, going all the way back to Trespass, for some reason, I've always loved the way they animate these hood linings. And then it's also a good clicking, a good clicking talk, Robbie. It's a clicking <laughs> talk. It's a good ticking clock type storyline. And it's also very fantasy feeling from the way that they all have to link up together in the force just in order to open the door. You know, to the way that massive door opens so dramatically and a whole bunch of, like, the me- the mechanics behind it feel very fantasy. And then the thing with Yoda, he melts the ice door by aligning a crystal with Ilum's son just so, right? And we could reference so many things here. We probably, you and I would probably reference Raiders of the Lost Ark and the stuff of Ra here maybe because oh, yeah. we love that stuff of Ra, but just overall it was super fantasy feeling and that continues throughout the whole episode. Yeah, and it's important to point out for those that maybe don't make the connection. But, you know, Ilum is a planet that we've seen many, many times before in different media. How so? Well, turns out that Ilum is Starkiller Base. What? Yep. Starkiller Base is powered by the crystals deep in the planet. I just got really sad, Robbie. Is this, is the name Ilum even mentioned in The Force Awakens? No, it's not. But it's been confirmed over multiple sources I mean, honestly, it all sort of came to a head when Jedi Fallen Order came out. Right. So we might have to put a spoiler at the beginning of this okay. episode. <laughs> sure. But uh, it is something that was confirmed recently by, I'm not sure exactly who, but it was part of the, I think it was part of the story group. And this is something that kind of goes to a lot of different parts of Star Wars is that Ilum has been the birthplace of all the, basically the lightsabers in the galaxy. Well, I should say kyber crystals, right? And that not only the Jedi were interested in this planet, but the Sith were as well. And so there are moments throughout kind of the lore of Star Wars where the Empire is harvesting these crystals for the Death Star. And the Death Star is powered by a huge kyber crystal that was harvested from Ilum. Right. So I believe it's the book that came out before Rogue One, sort of like the Road to Rogue One type story. Krennic is kind of heading up some of the kyber crystal harvesting and it was never really blatantly said that this was the Starkiller base was Ilum until something in Jedi Fallen Order made everything kind of come to a head because that's one of the planets that he gets to in Jedi Fallen Order like sort of halfway through the game and something in there basically says is it really Starkiller base I mean is that really what it is and then you know I don't remember who came out recently about it, but somebody did say that, yeah, this is Starkiller Base. Well, that has made me super sad, Robert. So let's talk about something <laughs> less sad. Let's talk about these kids because these kids are a ton of fun. We've got Petro, who's a human 
We've got Katuni, who's Thalothian, like Adi Galea. We've got Zat, who's a Nautilin, like Kit Fisto. Gunji, or is it Gunji? Gunji? I mean, I'm just going to say Gunji, the uh, Wookiee. Yeah, that's what I've been saying. Gunji. And Gnodi, the Rodian. And then Biff, the Arthurian. And, you know, when you ask a creative person sometimes... For example, a musician, what is your favorite album? What's your favorite song? Or you ask a filmmaker, what's your favorite film you've ever made? They often say, it's like trying to choose which is your favorite child. So, Robbie, which is your favorite of these children? Well, I'm sorry, but it's one of my notes. And it's my first note. It's Gunji all the way. <laughs> I, <Yeah>. love, <laughs> I love Gunji so much. But what's weird is I actually, I don't know if it's because of my part of my personality or whatever, but... I really like Biff a lot too. Yeah. Maybe it's because hey, that's part of my thing where I like instrumental music because it seems like everything's been said in music. You know, there's very few lyrics that really resonate with me. So if you can make me feel something with just music, then I think you've done your job. Maybe that's why I like Biff and Gunji so much is because they don't speak English. Right. But Biff, for some reason, I just... You mean they don't speak basic, right? That's what I mean. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot what world I'm in here. But yeah, there's something about those characters I just really love. But they're all adorable. I mean, you want every single one of them to succeed, you know? Even Petro, who's kind of being yeah. a punk at the beginning, you know, you still yeah. you still don't want him to fail. So it's one of those things where I just really dig this episode on every level. It's just so well done. And I love Yoda in this. He's so good. Yeah, he sure is. One of the children that I want to talk about is Zat, because Zat stands out a little bit in a couple of ways. One, that he seems to be relying on this gizmo, and of course his story is to trust in the Force instead of trusting in technology, you know, which is a message that's probably never been more relevant, you know, maybe it only gets more relevant, especially for parents. And I mean, obviously for kids, as we get more into a world that is more and more technological, and in a way, I mean, anytime there's a cave in Star Wars, what do you think of? You think of Empire, right? Mm -hmm. And how that cave gave Luke something that was specific to Luke. It's not like, I mean, if you or I went into that cave, or even Yoda went into that cave, they wouldn't see what Luke saw. So there's exactly a link here with this episode where the cave itself is speaking to each of the Padawans, right? Yeah, and that's what I love about it, is that it's kind of a mysticism that goes beyond what we've seen before, but it's very familiar too. And there's a piece that comes along with watching this episode for me. It's almost like the Force knows more than we do. And I just, that's one of the things that I love about it is that it's, there's so much of that you almost have to give yourself over. And while you're doing that, you learn something about yourself and you learn something about, you know, where your weaknesses are. And it's just something about that that, that is just, it's very almost Zen like. I feel like this is one of those things that people need to know. And it's kind of, it's a lesson in quieting yourself. And quieting your, you know, the things that that distract you, it's just beautiful. I don't know how I don't know how else to say it. It's just it's just beautiful. And each of the lessons that these kids learn is a lesson that you can say is part of what it means to be a Jedi, but it's also just part of what it means to be a good person. There's the selflessness that Petra learns, Katuni learns confidence, Zat learns trust, Ganji learns patience, and Kenobi learns hope and Biff learns courage and another thing I found myself wondering in this episode was what it was like when other Jedi we know were going through the gathering themselves obviously the most upfront one is Ahsoka because she's right there and she's a recent Padawan but I found it was even more fun to imagine what for example a young Dooku was like when he went on this part of the journey was he a sweet boy was he maybe a little bit of a 
rascal like Petro? You know, what would what would Dooku have been like when he was a kid? Because he's a former Jedi. Right. And so he would have gone through this gathering, you would assume, at some point. And so I just found myself, I mean, this is one of those things that we could probably use an hour talking about all the different Jedi and wondering what they were like. So maybe we don't want to go too far down this path, but I just found it was one of those episodes that sort of fired the imagination. You know, it's not just a fun story that comes to you, but it makes you think about a lot of the things that I guess spring from it, a lot of the ideas that it contains give birth to new ideas give birth to other ideas oh yeah and it's almost like to me the scene in episode two when obi-wan is telling anakin you know this weapon is your life you know all of that stuff right it's almost like this is a direct response to that and he said you know what i didn't say everything i wanted to say and i feel like the lightsaber is not just not just a weapon it's a part of them it's almost uh like a boiling down of who they are as people right and it's just rather beautiful and then it starts to make you think about well what is it about these sith lightsabers about their crystals right what does it mean and what you find out later i mean through all kinds of different lores that they've corrupted their crystal with hate is it is it corrupted by hate well by whatever selfishness you know whatever right and when you corrupt your crystal like that, the crystal literally bleeds, which is why it's red. And it's just one of those things that's just, it's beautiful. The thought in there is very, very beautiful, which it kind of makes you start thinking about, well, then why is right. Mace Windu's purple? What makes them blue versus green? What makes them even yellow in some cases, right? In some of the lore that there's some yellow lightsabers out there. Well, there's a brand new one in the lore that's just come out recently, probably in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. A gold or yellow lightsaber, yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those things that just kind of makes you wonder about what it is about. There, There is a symbolic thing there, and what does that mean? How do you attribute that to some of these other characters that we've kind of grown up with? The more you think about it, the, the more you can really kind of almost get lost in the meaning behind it. But with this, it works on so many different levels. It works on that huge, crazy, oh, I love this lore and all this stuff. But this is just a fun episode, too. It's so much fun. And you feel their frustration. Yeah. And then there's an elation that comes when they find their crystal. Ah, it's so great. It's such a great episode. It has these cool little moments, like when Petro comes out, he thinks he's found his crystal, and then it just melts in his hand. And there's a moment where Zat, you know, he smashes his gizmo. He gets so frustrated at one point, but then he calms down, reaches out with the Force, and it turns out his gizmo has a little self-destruct option as well that's still working, and he uses it to break through that ice wall. And, of course, Gunji has that sweet moment that calls back the Qui-Gon in Episode 1, you know, where he decides it's time to be patient. He just swings to his knees, meditates until it's time for action and Gennody reminded me of the Princess Bride somehow because just after she says I don't even believe they exist <laughs> and all of a sudden just like in the Princess Bride after Wesley says he doesn't think ROUSs exist there they are although of course Wesley only meets one ROUS fortunately whereas Gennody ends up surrounded by hundreds of crystals and has no idea which one to choose and then she what does she do she trusts in the force so there's just all these sweet little moments that happen along the way and also it's not just the kids are interesting in this episode we get to see ahsoka basically being a grown-up you know she's usually junior to everyone who's around her i guess maybe except the clones because technically the clones are 12 years old or something aren't they but you know she's almost always junior or she's with another padawan but here we see her get to be basically be the grown-up and get another step on her journey in terms of responsibility and in terms of being some kind of a leader yeah and it's i mean of course there's the big question right 
at least the big question that I have, how did Yoda get in there? <laughs> He's Yoda. He's just there. And it's just one of those things where you almost just forget and you don't think about it. You just go, eh. Yeah, I didn't think about it at all. It's funny, right? I'm like, of course he's in there. He's Yoda. It's just, there's a beauty to it that it just, you just get swept up in it. And it's just, uh, it's just amazing stuff. I mean, I can't even tell you what my favorite moment is because there's so many great moments. I just love the way that these kids are almost in every way. They almost find a, a helplessness and it only in their reaching out to the force. And, you know, do they find that? You know what I mean? They, right. they, it's like they all find themselves in this cave. And it's just, it's great. It's great stuff. Yeah, there's a couple of moments where I didn't know how it was going to go. And when Gunji comes out and it turns out Petra and Katuni are still there, I thought that was going to be the moment when they all run back in and they all try and help Petra and Katuni. And that's not what happens. And Yoda actually says, no, you can't go back in there. And that made me wonder, what happens if one of them does? Is this part of the test? You know, are they supposed to say... Sorry, Master Yoda, I am going for my teammates, you know, because teamwork's a big thing. Or is it part of the lesson? No, you're not supposed to go in because you're not supposed to care about them because you're not supposed to be attached. I don't know. That's probably a less fun thing to think about. But the way it worked out, of course, was that selflessness was part of Petro's journey. And so he goes back for Katuni. So it's just interesting the choices that they made along the way as they were telling the story things that i thought might happen that didn't happen but that sort of became lessons anyway and we've sort of already mentioned how great looking a lot of this episode is it's super pretty i mean season five has stepped up pretty much in every way visually so let's talk about our favorite shots of the episode robbie what was your favorite shot or shots of the gathering there's so many but i have to go with well it's like you said it's like the old callback the staff of raw right when that crystal opens up that pathway it's just i don't know i love it but you can almost say that every single one of these little younglings has a beautiful shot in their little story i mean how can it get better than this you know what i mean well my sort of favoritism of genji might be coming out in this because the shot that i noted was that long shot of genji alone in the center of the frame slowly inching his way across the ice lake you know we get a long long shot and it looks so massive and genji looks so tiny slowly inching his way and he's just felt the ice crack but you know that's a courageous kid man and it's so beautiful the crystal sort of there at the end of that huge ice stalactite that's in the right of the frame and the whole cavern is lit by like a spectrum of pretty much every blue from the deepest blue to the lightest blue and there's that bright white crystal shining out there and i also just love the ship landing in the blizzard i mean those snow effects all that snow floating around just We've seen snow episodes before. I mean, we saw a beautiful looking snow episode in A Friend in Need last season. But the shot that I've chosen, and this is a first for my shot of the episode, it's in the introduction montage. There's a shot of Master Plo. He's surrounded by a group of Degrudans, bathed in a golden light, mm. and there's kind of a magic hour haze, and he drops to one knee in front of a wee Degrudan lass, Robbie. Mm -hmm. And is that a shot from the distant past? Is that a shot from the recent past? Who's to know? But I think you know what I'm saying. And I think you know why I chose that oh, yeah. as my standout shot of the episode. And before we bring this one for a landing, Robbie, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So I don't know if I... Am I going to try and reach out with the force? I mean, it's, I think this is four stars out of four stars on the Robbie scale. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question. There's no question. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I, I kind of uh, spoiled it right at the beginning. This is, in my opinion, this is one of the top episodes... For me, it's one of those where it works, as I said before, on so many different levels, and it's so steeped in the idea of the Force that I love so much, 
as I said, I feel like it's like George was very present in this episode. I feel his fingerprints all over it. There's just something really super magical about it that I just, I really, really love. Yeah, I've got it at nine kyber crystals out of ten, so not quite up there with my very, very favorite episodes, but still, yeah, I I mean, if I had to make my list of the top five, I would have to spend some time on it, but I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of them. You know, this is a high nine, and so, yeah, just another example of season five bringing it, and maybe this is a high of season five so far, right? Oh, yeah. So season five getting better and better for me. And that is Mission Accomplished for Season 5, Episode 6, The Gathering. So, Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know if they want to tell us how much they love The Gathering, what are our communications channels? Sure. We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And, of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 94th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 5, Episode 7, Test of Strength. And until then... This is your old buddy Bucho, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. Force will be with you, always.